Welcome in, everyone. It's a special edition of the Minnesota Football Party. New mailbag shows with myself and Luke Inman every Wednesday going forward. We've got Vikings cornerbacks. We've got injuries on the offensive line. Draft questions for Luke Inman. That's all coming up on the brand new Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. It's your guys hanging out talking next-level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings' Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota Football Party. And it starts now. Welcome in Minnesota football party on a snowy Wednesday. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Lockdown Sports Minnesota at Sam Ekstrom on Twitter with my man Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman on Twitter. Joining me today to answer your Minnesota Vikings questions. Luke, I have one question for you just to kick it off. Very Minnesotan of me. How are you dealing with the snow? Are you hanging in there? Can you open your front door? How's your dog doing? How's how's everything going snow-related in your life? We released our household injury report. I am questionable, leaning towards doubtful. I got a calf. I got a hip. I got a shoulder going on. When you go back-to-back nights and shovel like I have, I feel like I'm a caveman. We were talking before the show. I got to invest in that snowblower like you got going because this is brutal. Back-to-back nights. Everything that I did yesterday and last night, it's not only back and then some, Sam. So it, it's been brutal. But I will say the positive, looking out my window, pretty magical scene out there right now. Just visually looks pretty cool. Clearly, we're in the heart of a Minnesota winter as we speak. Yeah, we had the issue where I did the whole snow blow of the driveway. Mm-hmm. We leave to take the kids to daycare. We yep. navigate the treacherous roads. We come back to the driveway. And since we left 15 minutes before, we've been blocked out by the snow plow, which put a massive bank of snow in our driveway couldn't get in so had to jump out plow that or blow that with a snowblower then get in this is the most minnesotan conversation ever um we'll get into some football now i promise you uh locked on sports minnesota subscribe on youtube leave a comment like this video helps other people discover the show and make sure to find us on the amazon fire and roku apps or free and available wherever you get your podcasts uh, let's see what the people want to hear, Luke. Uh, we got a question about seeding. I'm going to make sure I get the handle from at famous Norseman. Would you rather have the two seed Luke or the three seed? It seems obvious you want to be the higher seed, but I think there's actually an argument to be made for both. I want to get your take on it. Two or three. Yeah, of course you want the two C, but let's play this out here a little bit. First of all, as we sit here and kind of go through these scenarios, you can't get to round two unless you win round one. So I think the ideal scenario, when I just look at the matchups for the Vikings specifically, I'm kind of digging the Giants compared to the other three possible scenarios like the Seahawks, the Lions, the Packers. I think from what we saw just a few weeks ago, especially at home, I think the Vikings match up very well with the Giants. I know we'll get into that discussion a little bit more. The Niners scare the heck out of me, Sam. They really do. And I want nothing to do with them. If I got to get them, I would love to get them at home, obviously. That's likely not going to be one of the outcomes at the end of the day. So who gives the Niners the best chance to maybe knock them out and stun a lot of people? 
people in the first round. I think we'd all agree it's got to be the Packers. How can the Packers get in? Obviously, they got to beat the Lions. If the Lions win, though, they still need help. They need the Seahawks to lose to the Rams. Not a likely scenario from run the simulations. Maybe I don't know what you'd say, Sam, but seven or eight out of 10 times the Seahawks likely beat the Rams in this final week. So yeah. they need a little help as well. But where we sit here today, Sam, uh, I'm looking at who could maybe stun the 49ers. And I think the Packers, mm -hmm. as well as they've played as hot as they are, Aaron Rodgers going into any stadium, any environment during a playoff scenario. I kind of like that situation. So hopefully the Packers, and this sounds weird to say, hopefully the Packers can win, beat Detroit, and then again, give, I guess, Vikings fans the best situation and plan to maybe stun the Niners. Because at the end of the day, Sam, again, can't go to the second round until you win round one. I do prefer the Giants. But again, once you get past that, I just don't want anything to do with those San Francisco 49ers. What's your take on that? Wouldn't you love to be a fly on the wall when the coaches are sitting in the privacy of their office mm -hmm. talking this out? Because you know they're having this conversation. Publicly, they're always going to say that they're playing to win. But privately, isn't this the best argument for why you don't stress too hard to win this game on Sunday? Why you pull Justin Jefferson from playing a full allotment of snaps? You don't let Kirk Cousins play all four quarters? That's where I'm at. Because this is all central to the Giants being beatable. The Vikings could get a very favorable first-round matchup with the Giants if they're the three. I think you prefer that to the Packers, don't you? You want to play mm -hmm. Daniel Jones or Aaron Rodgers? Hmm, let me think about that for two seconds. I think I know the answer. Um, and then you maximize your chance for a favorable second-round matchup. Now, I'm, when I say favorable, I don't mean necessarily that you're going to be the better team because I think the Cowboys probably win and the Cowboys are going to be tough. But you get it at home. You get it at home. Um, because I think there's a really good chance that Aaron Rodgers could beat Brock Purdy. I just think with what's on the line in that game for the Packers, they're probably coming in on a six-game winning streak. Uh, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. And Green Bay has this big history with San Francisco. They've lost so many years in the playoffs. I don't know why. Just the, the vibes tell me that this might be a great opportunity for Green Bay to pull an upset win. And then the Vikings do get their second-round home game against either Tampa or Dallas. I think the three is a great place to be. So if you're the two, Luke, I mean, if you reverse engineer this, if you're the two, Green Bay is not a great matchup in round one. I don't know if you want that. Mm -mm. And then you probably, and then that means San Francisco gets New York in round one. And we think New York is beatable. We both agree on that. So then you do get the 49ers in round two. So I think there's actually a, a more viable path to the NFC championship in the three seed than the two. Sounds like we both agree. And there's your answer to that question. And, and I'll just say this, just as we wrap that up, too. Yeah. To get that second home game as the three seed, because that's what the two seed was all about, getting that mm -hmm. second home game. And then, obviously, maybe a slightly easier matchup, pending on who's going to win out there those last few games to, to secure those wild card spots. But think about... If the Packers did indeed go beat the Niners, okay, then who's their next matchup? All right, well, as the seventh seed, now you got to go into Philly. Let's just say they beat Philly too. A Vikings-Packers-NFC championship game at home at the bank. How spicy would that be? But also keep in mind the fact that you're playing a Packer team that is not just red hot anymore. They're blazing. B-dubs blazing hot now after not only getting on a run and sneaking into the playoffs, but now they just went on the road and beat the Niners and Philly. 
on the road, I mean, they're playing with house money and they feel invincible at that point as well. But obviously we're a long way from that discussion. Just fun to think about the possible scenarios, but I'm with you. Yeah, I, I believe there is a nice clear path with that three seed as we sit here today. We're going to make Luke Inman the happiest man in the world with a cornerbacks in the draft question. After I tell you that this episode is brought to you by BetOnline, BetOnline.net. All the lines, all the leagues, all the games. The Vikings are getting a lot of money coming in on them. They're minus six now against the Bears. Didn't that start minus one or two? Now it's minus six. Clearly the, the betters are buying into the Bears in tank mode as they go for that number one pick over under 46. Get all the data, all the lines, spreads, money lines, totals at betonline.net for NFL and bowl season as well. It's BetOnline. Find it on your mobile device. It's where the game starts. Hold on, Sam. When have the Vikings, even during the 9 Brett Favre magical run, ever gone into Soldier and had a convincing win? And I know, obviously, Bears are in tank mode. Vikings aren't playing with a lot of momentum or confidence right now either. So to see that line, yeah, I think you're right. I think it started at minus one. All the way up five points in just, what, 48, 72 hours? That really surprises me. Yeah, and the Vikings have won in Chicago in recent years. They've, I think they've sure. won four out of seven, but none of them have been convincing. Mm-hmm. They've all been slogs, mm-hmm. 20 to 17, 17, 13. <laughs> um, low totals, low totals, and I would expect more of the same in a game where you've, you've got a bad offensive line. You've got yeah. banged up offensive line. You don't want to put Justin Jefferson or Kirk Cousins at too much risk. I think you run the ball a lot. Mm -hmm. I think Alexander Madison probably leads you in touches and carries and yards in this game. Don't try too hard. And, you know, actually, Luke, I'm happy that there's no temptation to get Justin Jefferson the record. I think he's too far away to realistically get that. There's not going to be a temptation to overuse him. And I think that might be a blessing in disguise. Just use this as a get-right game. Maybe you win. Maybe you don't. I don't think it really matters all that much. Uh, Draft question on January 4th. Why not? From Brian. How many CBs do we draft next year? And why will they disappoint us? What a glass half empty, Brian. Come on. When have they ever disappointed us? Um, I think the answer is two or more. Now, I do have to ask you this, Luke. You'll know off the top of your head. How many picks do the Vikings have left? Because they've traded a number of them. Is it like four or five? So, yeah, as of today, they have a first, no second from the TJ Hawkinson. They have a third. Now, keep in mind, with their record, these are going to be late-round picks. So to have no second-rounder, you already Mm -hmm. pick late in the first, and then you're sitting there for a long time, Sam. A lot of big, good names are going to go off the board until you pick again. Currently projected the 91st pick. Fourth round, you have Detroit's pick. So a little bit quicker back-to-back there in the fourth round. No fifth round round couple six rounds from what i see on tankathon.com yeah uh, usually pretty accurate when it comes to keeping track of everybody's current draft picks two six round picks later in the draft they don't have their original six round pick they traded that to houston but it looks like as of now maybe two compensatory picks and then in the seventh round it looks like they have no picks there as well so you kind of getting in the weeds a little bit on that day three a lot of moving around we already see quasi in his first draft was not very shy at wheel and dealing that second round pick though and and 
you know, God bless TJ Hawkinson. I love him. Hopefully he's around for a long time. We've already seen the impact he can have in this passing game, in this offense. Um, but having no second, especially in this draft, as we start mm-hmm. to get into a little bit more off-season talk, free agency, the Vikings salary cap, the age of some of their core players and where they're at and how long they may or may not be around. No second round pick, knowing how late they're going to likely drafting in these rounds here. That one's going to sting a little bit, Sam. Yeah. So, and based on what you said, was the fourth round a pick swap? So yeah, they, that's they, they have pick. one, they have one fourth round pick. Okay. So, so they've got three picks in the first four rounds. Do you think they spend one on cornerback, zero on cornerback, two on cornerback? Cause to me, that is the biggest position of need. Patrick Peterson is going to want a lot of money. I think mm-hmm. he's earned it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I want to be the team to give it to him at his age. Um, that means you could go in with Dantzler, Booth, a Caleb Evans. Uh, maybe you re-sign Duke Shelley. Point is, the cupboard is bare. You need corners. How many do you take in the draft? Yeah, I think you have to take one. I think you take one early, too. The good news is, despite them likely drafting bottom of the 20s there, 28, 29, or what am I saying? 32nd, actually 31st, because Miami forfeited their first-round pick. Um, this is a loaded cornerback class at the top. Keely Ringo, Georgia, Christian Gonzalez, Oregon, Joey Porter Jr. Remember that name? Joey Porter, longtime stud Steeler linebacker. Mm -hmm. His kid from Penn State. He's great. Cam Smith from South Carolina. Devon Witherspoon. Point is, there's five, six solid cornerbacks that even though you're drafting this late in the first round, one of those guys should be available and you can at least start to stockpile some of these young guys. Now, I'm just not sure how much we can bank on Andrew Booth being that number one guy in 2023. And you brought up a great point about Patrick Peterson. I would hope glass half full now that Patrick Peterson at this point in his career, especially how, how well he's played here. He would like to finish his career here, maybe on a one- or two-year deal. Hopefully, he doesn't shop around too much, but they really need him back. They need a veteran in this room in the worst way here, Sam, too. So I would say one at least, and I think it's going to be early, just given the tiers of cornerbacks that I've studied so far in this draft class. Yeah, I think you're right about that. You just can't assume that that person steps in and contributes immediately. So you probably have to do a little bit of free agency uh, shopping and draft. And we had another question related to that as well. Let me find it. Um, What are the positions you'd like to see the Vikings target the most in the draft and free agency? Which players do you think might work as examples? I'll be honest, James. Question from James. Haven't done the full research. That's that, that's going to be a big project for after the year for me. I've looked loosely at some of the big names, particularly at corner. It is ripe with 29, 30, 31-year-old veterans, guys that might mm-hmm. take a short-term, smaller deal, kind of like a Patrick Peterson, uh, like an Anthony Brown from Dallas I looked into. Um, I, I think that there are options out there for like a stopgap at corner while some of your young guys develop a little bit more. Maybe a Caleb Evans is a week one starter. I don't know. But you're going to need help there, and it's going to have to be a mishmash. It's going to have to be some development, some FA, and some draft, I think, combination. But other than corner, Luke, uh, where would you like to see the Vikings go in the draft, particularly early? 
Yeah, I've always had the philosophy you build through the draft. If you're one or two pieces away, sure, go out, maybe spend a little bit of coin in free agency. Again, all pending on who gets re-signed and who's left out there in the free agency pool. I'm glad you did bring up cornerback because that was the first position that I as well, loosely kind of just doing a little bit of research here, saw a lot of solid names that could be had at a good value, I think. Marcus Peters, Bradley Roby, James Bradbury. Just quick side note too, you know, all year we've seen the Philadelphia Eagles just thrive and they look like they're going to be a powerhouse for a couple of years. They got a lot of free agents starting on defense right now. James Bradbury's been a great number two corner outside of Darius Slay. We'll see if they re-sign him. Robert Quinn and Brandon Graham, both free agents there as their edge rushers. And then defensive tackles, Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave, they can't re-sign all those guys. So at least one, if not two of those big names, they'll likely hit the free agency pool. I look at wide receiver. I know a lot of early mock drafts, Sam, have the Vikings going wide receiver, a guy like Josh Downs, North Carolina, Zay Flowers, Boston College. Certainly wouldn't hurt by any means, but I'm looking at guys that, remember Rick Spielman, always loved to grab guys coming off their rookie deal. So 26, maybe 27, and there's guys like DJ Chark, McCole Hardman, even Juju Smith-Schuster, a few other guys out there that I could see stepping in into that number three mesh, number four with Thielen, K.J. Osborne, just having another body. Because I don't know about you, I'm just not super high right now from what we've seen on Jalen Rager being that guy. And I know a lot of us assumed and kind of hoped, wishful thinking, that he would be in the future, 2023 and beyond, maybe that new number three wideout. I'm a little worried about that as we sit here mm -hmm. today. So wide receiver, I feel like you could get a guy for a fairly modest price that could help you impact your roster and offense in a big way and allow you not to press the wide receiver position early in that draft with that first pick. Again, knowing that there's a long wait from that first pick all the way to your second in the third round. Yeah, I'm big on wide receiver. I'm big on just bolstering your offense, especially it, it, it's kind of a, a catch-22 because your defense is bad. You want to make it better. But also... The only way to combat your terrible defense is to have a really good offense. So mm -hmm. you want to make sure that that is as fortified as it can possibly be. And you need to do it through the draft because you're going to be paying Justin Jefferson so much money, Adam Thielen so much money, TJ Hawkinson gets more expensive. All of those factors, Kirk Cousins too, Brian O'Neill. Um, I could go on and on. The offense costs a lot of money, so you mm -hmm. need to find cheap ways to supplement that. And, and um, I will say just real quick, too, there is a lot of young guys here on this roster that maybe haven't made a huge impact yet on the defensive side of the ball that there is cause for some wishful thinking here. A Caleb Evans, he obviously, again, Andrew Booth Jr., Lewis Seen, Brian Asamoa. So I think there is a little bit of flexibility there in that first round to, uh, again, you always want to stay BPA, a little cliche, but it's true, best player available. You don't want to press too much and just draft a guy for need but the one position on the defensive side of the ball that I don't feel there is a lot of young talent is the defensive line they still have to make a decision if they're even going to bring back Dalvin Tomlinson Harrison Phillips is outstanding he's kind of cornerstone piece there but then what who's the third guy in this new 3-4 defense James Lynch maybe uh Otomewo you, you know am I missing somebody that just jumps off the page and say this is a guy we can maybe no. build around and lean on all right, we gave Luke Inman his draft fix for the day. A uh, lot more draft talk coming throughout the winter and spring with Luke as we uh, hit it hard after the Vikings season. Before we answer the question, are the Vikings going to throw more quick passes? I'm going to tell you about Built Bar. Hopefully you got some Built Bars in your stocking this year so that you can go into the, your New Year's resolutions eating 
healthy, but that doesn't mean it's not tasty. It's still delicious because with Built, healthy is actually tasty. 100% real chocolate. Unbelievable new flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie, coconut almond. They're good and good for you. 130 calories, only 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And they're very accessible. Of course, you can get them at Built.com. You can also go to your local Sam's Club or Walmart. Go to Walmart, get the four-pack box. Go to Sam's Club, get the 13-bar box with some of those new hit flavors like brownie batter and churro. Thank me later. Check out Built Bar. It's perfect for your New Year's resolution. Got some more questions, Luke, coming uh, coming in hot here. This one is from Grill, Grill underscore Andrew One. Do you see the Vikings potentially incorporating more quick passes to counter the banged up O line, I think I think the answer should be yes. But I also will say this to Grill: it's not as if the passes haven't been that quick before. Um, the Vikings are twenty third in intended air yards, so they're throwing a lot of short passes. Now I know short doesn't always mean quick. Mm-hmm. They're throwing a lot of short passes. Kirk Cousins is twelfth in fastest time to throw. So that would, again, insinuate some quicker throws. Um, Let me tell you the one place, Luke, where this team needs to be better. Third or fourth and short. So that's third and one, third and two, third and three, or fourth and short as well. They have thrown the most passes in the league in those situations. Wow. 61 times they have thrown. Uh, So not really trusting their short yardage run game at all. But they're not doing well when they throw in those situations, Luke. They have been sacked six times. That's most in the league. And they only are 19th in first down rate. So they are below average in picking up first downs when they throw third and fourth and short. That's a very specific situation. That's 61 times they've done that this year. Um, But if you watch the Packers game, you know, it was notable. Or I think even in the Giants game too. A couple situations where they've got a third and short, you're saying, give it to Ham. Give it to Dalvin. Yes. And they and they run kind of a long developing route down the field, incomplete. There's a miscommunication. Uh, the coverage a jet is too tight. sweep to CJ Ham on fourth and one. What are we doing? Getting a little like, too it, greedy. Too um, yeah. So I I think that's an area where they do need to adapt to those shorter throws. And with the the banged up offensive line, as Grill pointed out, uh, becomes all the more important. Tell me what you think. I don't mind the aggressiveness to pass and try to catch the defense off guards on their heels a little bit, expecting run. It's just a lack of execution, right? I mean, easy to pick on what we saw most recently last week, Green Bay. Everybody was slipping and sliding. I just think it's more about the execution than the play call itself. Now, at a certain point, when you continue to fail on these third and short, fourth and short scenarios, Mm -hmm. it's going to be easy to pick apart in hindsight and say, you're getting too cute, you need to run the ball. But remember, they really haven't been that effective on third and short and running the ball in those situations and scenarios as well. Green Bay, again, the after the block punt, they try to run with Dalvin once or twice and just absolutely stonewall, not even back to the line, a tackle for loss. And we've seen that multiple times throughout the year. So can't really blame KOC drawing up these plays because he doesn't have much confidence in the short running game. I don't have a problem with it. It's just a lack of execution. And that just seems to go all the way back to the beginning of the year. They haven't really played a complete game and I know you want to kind of touch on that from top to bottom. 
offense, defense, special teams, all three phases inside each unit. Sometimes on the offense, they run the ball. They can't pass. They can pass block, but they can't complete the passes downfield. Defensively, they're stopping the run one day, but they're giving up a lot of plays in the passing game. So uh, it's been a hard time, and I know it's been frustrating for a lot of fans to watch. The lack of consistency from all three phases, kind of circling back to the uh, third and short, fourth and short scenarios. I, I personally don't have a big problem with the passing plays. It's just a lack of execution. Hurts to not have a super healthy Thielen. I think Thielen is typically is so good is? in those you don't situations. Think he's healthy? Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah, I know he's not healthy. Okay. I know he's battling through through mm-hmm. through knee stuff, um, and that's that's been problematic. I think, although KJ Osborne is there too, you know, mm-hmm. and they they've been using him more and more. I think that's the person maybe you look to in those short yardage situations. Because you brought it up, Luke, playing a complete game. I got to wondering, what is the Vikings' most complete game this year? Mm. Is it week one? Let's pull Did, this. Let's pull this up here. Defensively, I think it's the obvious answer. Um, offensively, fast start, sputtered toward the end, but they were also playing with a big lead. Um, well, I don't com- know if the, I don't know if you can top it. Honestly, complete game. And you, you bring up a great point. I think I as well would default and a lot of people would to that week one. But when you say complete game, you got to think about all three phases. And I think about that Patriots game where the special teams picked up a lot of slack there as well. Kickoff return. Greg Joseph was solid that day as well. And you got a little bit out of all three phases. Now, certainly you can point to the defense gave up 26 points, but it was still one of those performances like we've seen a lot this year where they did show up when it mattered the most. And again, I don't know if that special teams outweighs that to call that one a complete game there as well. But I'm looking at all three phases there for sure. So I need a game where you got some special teams as well, but certainly offensively and defensively only, I would say that Packers game had down. Which is a little concerning because that was the game that was supposed to be the launching point, right? That game and every game thereafter, Kevin O'Connell stands up and says, yeah, it's always good to make corrections after a win. Uh, there's a lot we can improve on. We're still looking for the four quarter game. We haven't really gotten it. And it's kind of, kind of the best that we've seen, to be honest. Um, yeah, you and, certainly want to be playing your best football here at the end. You see teams like the Packers and even the Lions and some other teams getting hot here at the end. Just haven't seen that mm-hmm. consistency at all. So, yeah, a little cause for concern for sure. Two more uh, kind of meaty ones and then one fun one to close. Uh, I'm going to say this with an absolutely straight face, Luke, because I'm an adult. <laughs> this, question, this question from Professor Poop. Next season <laughs> next season it. has the potential to be pretty poopy. Of course, he says poopy with no uh, well, cap space. What, what is that, French? Poop. poop, poop. Yeah, I think Pu-ay-pe. so. Yeah, I think something like that. Um, four draft picks, which is, I think, I think, a little lower than you laid out, but it's basically, it's a low number. Mm-hmm. Um, a rough schedule, Mahomes, Herbert, Burrow. They play Burrow? And an extra away game, which is true. Should the Vikings continue to be competitive uh, to competitively rebuild or ponder the potential for genuinely rebuilding? Um, Professor Poop, let me tell you, if you've got a Kirk Cousins, Justin Jefferson, TJ Hawkinson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook core, and one, one of those players might be gone, cap casualty, but it's still it, the point stands. Uh, Tossin O'Neill and Darisaw with that. If that's your offensive core, you're not rebuilding. Like you're always going to be in on the competitive side of that rebuild, um, because your defense can be terrible, 
And that offense is still going to keep you in a lot of games. And I think that if that's your group on offense, as long as that's the case, you're trying to be competitive. You're not, you're not ever going to intentionally blow the thing up. And that's why they're going to probably be right up against the cap again, because they're going to try, I think, to retain as many of these high-priced players is as is possible. I, I don't think they all survive, but I think they try to retain many of them, um, at least for next year. Luke, your thoughts? I think, you know, when they sit down and have this offseason conversation, if they say, hey, we're only one or two pieces away, if they put a lot of emphasis on it was because the struggles and inconsistencies, the lack of complete games was because of the new system, top to bottom, offensively, defensively, and special teams. After another full offseason now and a year under a lot of these guys' belts, that's going to go a long ways and start to show some more signs of consistency and reaching another level as far as, you know, offensive scheme and defensive design sub packages that we thought we'd all see by now uh, getting some guys back like Lewisine and Andrew Booth and guys like that problem is when you look at this cap there's only so much you can do right and you also have to keep in mind what you brought up does guy like Patrick Peterson want to stay here does Dalvin Tomlinson want to stay here so if you're continuing to go one step forward but two steps back now it's really tough to look in the mirror as, as you know, your Quasi or KOC and say, yeah, we are still only a piece or two away. How can you say that when we just lost three core guys? That's going to be a tough conversation to have. I'm with you, though, at the end of the day, if they can retain 90% of those core guys, they can have a good draft, maybe bring in one solid free agent, both on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. But I will say, Sam, and we're going to have this conversation a lot over the next few months, mm -hmm. devil's advocate. The Lions and the Bears, what they've done the last year or two, what they're in position to do now in this draft, you got to think about the Bears have the second overall pick. That is worth a King's ransom. They don't need a quarterback. This is a quarterback loaded draft. Look at what Bryce Young and CJ Stroud just did. Not to mention, Will Levis from Kentucky is going to get a lot of hype as well. There's going to be teams banging on the door, kicking their door down, saying, Take my money, take all these draft picks, and you can move down five, six, seven spots and still get a blue chip kind of player. What the Lions have done, and under Dan Campbell and the early, they have two first round picks, Sam. They got five picks in the top 75 in a young core. Vikings core is pretty old, all things considering. Yeah. Lions got a young core. Devil's advocate says maybe now is the time to strip things down and take your time and build around your core young pieces. Who's the Vikings young core pieces right now? Justin Jefferson and Christian Derrissaw? Am I missing anybody? TJ Hawkinson, I guess, is 26. Uh, yeah. Who am I missing? Young core guys for the future. I mean, otherwise, it, it, it's Super Bowl or bust in the next year yeah. or two max. I think you're right about that. And I think, and that's that's part of the reason why you don't want to go full rebuild is because you don't really have the the pieces to right. do it. Like like right. if you if you stripped it down to the studs, I don't think you have the young players to to be remotely competitive mm -hmm. at all um, because they're all unknowns on defense. Seen injured, Booth injured, Dantzler got. Passed by Duke Shelley, you know, yeah, and you, yeah. you mentioned that the lack of depth on the defensive line, that's all a big concern. So um, I think that if you want to enjoy rooting for this football team, you just like expect it to get really bad in like 2025 and just let them go all in the next couple of years. I think that's the route they have to go. We'll mm -hmm. see how they approach it this offseason. Um, one more good one here from Ingram. Uh, one more good one from Ingram's left foot and Luke. You'll have to tell me if this is a movie reference because it's been well documented on this channel. I don't see many movies. You don't get out um, much. I don't get out much. Yeah, I don't leave my basement. So his question, 
Who took the monkey paw out of the ominously glowing locked chest? Is that like Indiana Jones or something? We wanted to see Chris Reed. Is everyone happy now? Based on last week's disaster, only should he have should he have been playing over Ingram? Yeah, okay. So we wanted to see Chris Reed. Mm-hmm. Is everyone happy now after his disastrous time at center? Based on last week's disaster only, should he have been playing over Ingram? Oh, people, uh, I think guard? people... Yeah, so people were were adamant that Ingram is struggling. Where's Chris Reed? Why can't they put Chris Reed in? And now, you know, Ingram's left foot is, which is a hilarious Twitter name, by the way. (laughs) Um, He's saying, well, should we really have been wanting Chris Reed to play at guard after seeing what happened at center? Yeah, because, uh, and I think this is slightly what that's in reference to. I, I didn't think Chris Reed, outside of the center exchange, which... I mean, you got to take a step back and be honest. NFL pass protection is so complicated, especially for younger guys, too. But I thought his blocking, just in general, wasn't horrible by any means. Ingram has been so inconsistent. Certainly see flashes. We saw some great ups and some some splash plays. Week three, week four, week five. Okay, can he just keep getting better and honing his craft, getting better at pass protection? Haven't seen it. Not a lot to be optimistic about, really. At this point in the year, I thought he'd be further along in just kind of honing his craft from just a pure offensive lineman awareness standpoint. Chris Reed didn't look horrible, in my opinion, just from a sheer blocking standpoint. The question is justified that maybe we would have been better off. Maybe it's too late, though, now, right? But maybe we would have been better off seeing a little bit more Chris Reed or some more competition there instead of just giving Ingram that job outright. Now, I think the big thing this circles back to, obviously, Brian, O'Neal, the Vikings offensive line, their bread and butter was their bookend tackles. And the fact that you could leave them out on an island and that allowed those three interior offensive linemen to double team and help each other out so much more. You're not going to be able to do that anymore with Brian O'Neal out. You're going to need to uh, double team and help Oliudo mm. if that's the case. Quick side note, just a bummer that Blake Brandle's still on that four-week IR, and hopefully he'll be back if they can win one game in the playoffs. He'll be back in that divisional round, but uh, such a bummer to see all the dominoes fall the way they have. But TJ Hawkinson, you're going to have to leave him in line to chip block and help out Oliudo now. Another quick side note, second one, Irv Smith, is he going to be coming back? Maybe we'll see more two tight end sets there, and you can you know let Mm -hmm. and allow TJ Hawkinson to stay in line and help block a little bit more and have Irv Smith as more of your passing threat. But circling back, Sam, I don't know. I, I think Chris Reed deserved a little bit more chance and shot especially after what we saw last week yeah i'm i'm with you i'm actually gonna forgive chris reed for some of the terribleness last week that was his first time at center luke yeah ever yeah ever first time and i'm sure he's practiced it but he's never done that in an nfl game he's been a swing guard most of his career a little bit of tackle no center Mm -hmm. so first time coming in cold in lambo in the cold yeah impossible that's that's Uh, a really tough situation to be in yeah. And now what's your gut saying? You're around TCO a little bit more. Mance, the 30-year-old, they just signed eight mm-hmm. years in the NFL, 22 career starts at center. Granted, it was a while ago. He's drafted in 2015 out of Toledo. I think he just got cut by the Browns two weeks ago. So he's been in the league here a little bit. Hasn't started a game, especially at center in a while. Just gut knee-jerk mm-hmm. reaction saying about this center position next week and beyond. My gut says that Chris Reed starts against Chicago. Okay. And, it, and if he holds his own, He's the guy in the playoffs. If it's more of the same, I don't think they would hesitate to go to Mans, who, if you look back in his career, the one season that he got a 1,000 snaps, so he was a full-time starter for a whole year, he was one of the best centers in the NFL. 
Mm-hmm. Now this is going back 2016. Way back to 2016. Yep. 2016, great year. From that point on, he's kind of been a swing man. Um, so I, I'm I'm not sure that either option is perfect. I think the best case scenario, Luke, is that Garrett Bradbury just gets better. Garrett yeah. Bradbury could still come back from this. Mm-hmm. And they don't they haven't confirmed that yet. It sounds like that back, and and you know, you can attest to back injuries from shoveling your driveway, Oof. Luke. Um it's it it can be a little touchy, right? It's kind of get hard to know how it's going to react once you start taking hits. So I think you cross your fingers for Garrett Bradbury, and then you see how week 18 goes. Maybe you even give him each a half mm-hmm. and just see, get get Greg Mann some snaps in there in what I think should be kind of an experimental kind of game where you're not trying that hard to win. Um, let's yeah, because the-, the worst case yeah. scenario would be that Reed struggles, and then you're rolling with Mans going into his, the first playoff game. There's no chemistry or timing with the checks and the audibles, the slide protection, all the nuances, and that's when you're rolling with him. Your your playoff game, his first start is going to be a playoff game. That's a tough, tough situation and scenario there as well. So, yeah, you're right. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out this week and beyond. All right, we end with a fun one from Joshua Brook. If they were on the Vikings, which Luke would win if Braun was a tackle and Inman was a defensive end, and further, which QB is Braun protecting, Hassan or Ekstrom? Wow. Wow. Getting in the weeds here. Okay. Well, I got the versatility to line up anywhere. If you want me at edge, I can do that. But I am a Swiss Army knife. Braun, sneaky, pretty good snatch and grab there. If he gets his hands on me in the chest, I'm a little worried. Who's he protecting, though? I'll let you answer that one. Um, I mean, I think if I were building a team looking at Arif or me, <laughs> I think Arif kind of has that that el- elusivity, right? He's going to be a little bit like a Russell Wilson type, kind of mm-hmm. mobile, kind of short and shifty. How do you who do you think is going to diagnose a blitz better, though? Arif Hassan or me? Definitely Arif Hassan. You don't want me it's, to answer that. Yeah, you it, already know. It's definitely Arif Hassan. For sure. Um, you don't want me back there trying to figure out pre-snap. How to uh, how to set my protections so the safety doesn't rip my head off? No, they'll um, be ru- you guys will be running the the wildcat by middle of the first quarter. Braun's You'll be a great good- coach, though. You'll be a great coach. Braun's got a good pad level. I think Braun Braun would protect me from you. At least right, on, I, don't, I don't know if this is front side or like blind side, right. but I think that that side I'm good. You're that's not going to touch me. All right, they're keep chipping. sleeping. They're chipping. keep sleeping, Sam. Just wait till I come <laughs> off this injury report. All right, keep sleeping. Hey, we're going to do this mailbag every week now. The Wednesday mailbags in the Minnesota football party uh, featuring Luke Inman and myself. We got the whole crew back tomorrow. Arif Hassan, Luke Braun join us on the full roundtable Minnesota football party. Ron Johnson pops in as well. Should be the full five-man crew on the party. Uh, for Luke, for myself, check us out on uh, wherever you get your podcasts. Just, uh, subscribe on YouTube as well. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.